Welcome to this week's episode of Relaunch My Life Radio. As part of Men's Month, this week's episode is with Blake Worrell Thompson. Blake is an incredible human who is doing such fantastic work. He does one-on-one coaching and also runs men's circles through his business Momentum. I love this conversation because he really shared perspectives on masculine and feminine energy and also what men need at the moment in the world from their partners and also some tips and advice for people if you are feeling stuck or like you need to make a change. His story is raw and honest and I know you're going to get tons of inspiration and please share this with the men in your life. Welcome to Relaunch My Life Radio. I'm your host, Juliet Lever, and a few years ago, I personally relaunched my own life from being a workaholic, alcoholic and chocoholic to now living a life of my own design. I'm on a mission to free you from an unfulfilling job or passionless life. And so with 10 minute tips and 30 minute interviews and stories to tune into, tune in to Relaunch My Life Radio to discover your highest potential and feel inspired to live a life of zero regrets. If you want more, be sure to hit subscribe and visit us at www.relaunchmyliferadio.com for more. So I'm really excited to be having this conversation this morning with Blake. How are you today? Juliet, I'm very well, especially considering all circumstances going on at the moment. Yeah, and I want to pick your brains a little bit on that and dive into that. But I think to start with, uh, for people who don't know you or aren't following you or don't know your work, can you just share a little bit with our listeners about who you are and what you do in the world? Yep. Um, Well, I'm a former PT. Um, who actually started, I reckon, around the same time as Paul. We did, we did um, check level one back in, God, 2004, I reckon it was. Yeah. Um, so was a PT for 15-odd years um, and loved it for 14 out of 15 years, which, as you would be aware, you know, anyone who's fortunate enough to love what they do um, is you know in a super fortunate position to love what I did for 14 out of 15 years was really cool and then over probably the last two to three years of that career I really started to want to have a bigger impact than you know the sets reps and steam broccoli that is the four walls of a gym and started to want to understand human behavior fulfillment happiness performance um, Definitely for myself in terms of my own kind of limitations and some of the stuff that was coming up for me, but also a really big part of that was, you know, being able to have a bigger impact on my clients as well. So studied NLP, um, which gave me a really nice base of, um, I guess, learnings around human behavior, how the mind works. And then from there, you know, have kind of developed um, into the coaching space over the last four years and, and now, I guess, developed my own um, modalities, so to speak, in terms of the way I do things with my coaching clients now. Awesome. And so you're like 100% online coaching and working with people. Do you work mainly with men or women or a bit of both? It's a bit of both. So I've got one business um, with two business partners called Momentum, which is purely just for men. And then I've got my own coaching, which is probably 50-50, I think, men and women um, with a couple of kind of online programs and also a lot of one-on-one, which I love as well. So really nice balance um, and obviously super fortunate to 
um, you know, do it all online. That was a big part for me when I left the fitness space, you know, in terms of having the bricks and mortar. I didn't want anything um, that felt restrictive anymore. Um, you know, and I've always been kind of drawn to Byron Bay probably over the last 10 to 15 years. So to be able to, you know, now live up here and do it all online is um, unreal for me. Cool. Living the dream. Yeah. I think the, the transition that you've made is a really natural one where you notice that it's not just about what people putting in their bodies and the movement, but it's also what they're thinking and feeling and the emotion behind what is motivating them as well. So that's awesome. So can you tell us a little bit more about momentum and what, what that movement is? Yeah. So momentum um, was something that was created just under two years ago. And it was, for me, similar to kind of you guys have been in the personal development space for, you know, literally since I started PT. So what's that, 16, 17 years ago. And I love personal development and, and I think I always will. But one of the things I really found hard to find was, you know, quote unquote, a men's group, which even, you know, in itself has a bit of stigma um, labelled to it that I would want to go to. And, you know, for 15 years, kind of searching and exploring and trying to find my own way through, um, you know, some of the mess, it was really, one, exhausting and two, quite lonely at times. And, you know, when I looked at the landscape of the men's space, I was like, you know, if, if myself, who's really open to this stuff, um, isn't really liking the options that are out there, then we have no chance of getting our mates who love, you know, the footy, love a beer, whatever it may be, to dip their toe in if they're experiencing or, or keen to entertain the idea of you know, personal development for the first time. So for me, it was really a case of, you know, I reached out to a mate who at the time was in Sri Lanka, you know, one of my best mates and another one in Melbourne. And I was like, this market is like massive in terms of opportunity and heavily needed in terms of men doing the work. And, you know, the way that I see the landscape at the moment for the men's space is probably that we're a bit ahead of the curve in that it's probably a three, four, five-year period, I think, before we normalise men doing the work. It's grown a lot even in the last couple of years, um, but it's it's growing quickly and really wanted to make something that was accessible, appealing, and also attainable to guys who were entering you know, the work for the first time. Yeah, and I think the male suicide rate is three to four times higher than the female. And I think you've hit the nail on the head that the fact that finding a men's group or a men's circle that doesn't have the stigma and is something that you would want to go to. And I think that that is, why do you think that that is so hard? And why do you think we're still four to five years away from this being mainstream? Yeah, it's, um, you know, and, and credit to those that are doing the work already because they are the minority when it comes to blokes. But I think, you know, one of the challenges is that it's just not really an attractive space at the moment. You know, there's, there's people out there, blokes that are you know, going out bush and doing eye gaze and exercises and all of those things, which are great. But if you're a bloke who's resistant to the work and you're looking to just kind of dip your toe in, that's from zero to 100 way too quickly for a lot of these guys. And they just w- wouldn't be prepared to go there. And they're also not necessarily relatable you know, the blokes that are kind of running those programs, so to speak, at least to the guys that we want to attract. You know, one of our big things, we've got, you know, one of our um, kind of words is rev, which is relatable, educational, and vulnerable. 
And we look to bring those three things together in everything that we do. So really important for us to maintain that level of being relatable. And what that looks like is it could be, you know, we might have a chat with one of the boys about their partner for an hour and then we might spend the next hour talking about footy or we might have, you know, a couple of beers and then talk about emotional intelligence. And it's that that we're trying to bridge the gap. Um, You know, for a lot of people, it's one or the other. It's like, you know, when you're all in your spiritual and your woo-woo and you're, you know, so far left. Um, And then for some of the guys at the other end of the scale, there's the, you know, the psychologists who are in their 50s, 60s and might be a bit dry. And, you know, a lot of these guys, again, don't feel like they've got any level of connection or relatability to them. So they don't necessarily feel comfortable going and kind of talking to them. So, you know, there's the extremes and we like to kind of see ourselves positioned in the middle, which is a really good position. And, you know, I think in terms of still being three to four years away is blokes have just struggled with it. You know, probably without kind of going into history too much, probably since the start of time. I mean, if you look at our parents' generation, amazing, you know, in terms of resilience and backbone, but quite rigid in their ability to communicate and have that emotional intelligence. And, you know, a really big piece for us is combining that resilience and grit, which I think, to be honest, we're losing a little bit with the next group coming through. And be able to, you know, combine that with heart, wisdom and emotional intelligence. And we've gone from one extreme of like really gritty, really resilient, our parents' generation, but quite rigid to the other way where we've gone, you know, emotional intelligence is a really big piece at school now, but they lack the resilience and grit. So our combination is really about bringing those two together and integrating both parts for the masculine. Mm, Yeah, I think it's... It's really interesting. And I guess in every couple or relationship dynamic as well, there's there's going to be different levels of masculine and feminine that the partners switch into and, and flow into. And I think what you talked about, about that we're losing a little bit of that 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 resilience and strength mm. and hardness is, mm. is really interesting because, you know, we haven't had any wars. We haven't had any that like forced us into that super strong, like hard masculine and so it is kind of like softening and opening but now I guess the the reality is our our struggles and what this next generation is struggling with is they're being told they just have to like stay at home Mm. and it and and that but that has its own psychological impacts because it means obviously people can't be in the world and making you know exploring and making mistakes and being in that that space as well so yeah it's a really interesting transition time and I think there's a lot of interesting conversations that I've been having around like what is the identity of men if they're being taken from the workplace if they're not working as much or they're questioning the work that they were doing because maybe before they were just so busy doing what they're doing they didn't have time to question it but now that they're at home or they're you know starting to question these things sometimes I feel like and I don't know if this is a bit out of context but sometimes I I feel like because in traditional households say the woman does the the wife does the the female does get time off raising children and that sort of thing they have that space and time to sort of think about what they would want to do and change their course of their but the man often is having to provide and just well even if I don't like being say for example a FIFO worker even if I don't like this 
this is the level of income that my family now is reliant on. So I'm stuck here and there's nothing I could do that would pay the same amount of money, but I just have to do it. Even though my heart is saying, I want to do something completely different. I have to ignore my own feelings and emotions around this and just get it fucking done. Mm. And, and I see that a lot in the world if, is almost like people are afraid to open up because if they do, then I have to be real with all of this stuff that I haven't wanted to look at because it doesn't fit the current world that we're sort of stuck with. Does any yeah. of that land? All of it. All of it lands to it. I think, you know, if you look at um, masculine, feminine energy, and just for those that kind of new to this language, we've got both masculine and feminine energies within us. But if you're looking at males, they tend to be at the core. So they're kind of initial energy, stronger in their masculine and vice versa. Not always, but as most of the time. And one of the things that's really important in that is on a deep level, the core need of the masculine is to be really clear and aligned with their purpose, passion, or mission. And you, you can see a guy who's aligned and you can see the majority that aren't. And, you know, one of the, for us, when we're kind of working with blokes, we're like, you do whatever you need to do. If you need to walk to the edge of the earth to find your purpose, passion, mission, do it because you're not the best version for yourself. You're not the best version for your partner, your kids, the people around you until you are living aligned with that. And, you know, that, that I can see in a bloke when I'm having a conversation with him, whether that's that kind of twinkle in his eye and that fire in his stomach or whether it's not. And when it's not, he's this sleepwalking bloke going around doing life half-assed. And he's not good to, you know, I mean that in the most respectful of ways, but he's not his best version to anyone else. So, it's really important to find that alignment. And, you know, because I've smelt the roses of, um, you know, having passion in the health and fitness space for 15 years before I transitioned, that 12 to 18 month period where I was transitioning and feeling quite directionless was fucking horrible. Yeah, let's go there. I want to yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about your rock bottom and tell us mm. about your turning point how you did yeah well it kind of to go back a few steps it was when i studied nlp that i really started to kind of wake up to the fact that i had zero awareness and just an endless supply of limiting beliefs patterns programming etc that i had kind of formed over you know a 30-year period and it was then that I actually really woke up to see what was coming. And six months after that, I actually filed for bankruptcy with my business. And the business wasn't in an unhealthy position from a financial point of view, but I had, you know, got myself into such a pickle with kind of, you know, tax debt and everything else that the easiest thing for me was just to fold. And for me, as a masculine, as a male, as someone who takes pride in what they do, it was like the ultimate like kill the ultimate kill little did i know it was step one of what was like this 15 months just capitulation of everything where we shut down the business i moved to melbourne because i wanted to start fresh with my girlfriend at the time i then got fired from three jobs which at the time and this is beautiful ego involved thought it was all about, you know, the boss that make the wrong decision. How could they possibly fire me? It's like, mate, who's a common denominator? Three 
getting fired, you know, getting fired from three jobs. Oh. Broke up with my partner. My car blew up. Applied for over 50 jobs and got knocked back. And it felt like just hit after hit after hit for this 15-month period to the point where, you know, I remember speaking to my business partner, one of my best mates, and I literally had nothing left. I was um, jobless, had, didn't have a cent to my name. Car was obviously broken down. I was a couple of days away from being homeless at one point, stuck in Melbourne. And my oldest, you know, um, family friend took me in until I found something. And I was like, fuck, man, I've got like... I've got nothing left except for my mental and physical health. And God bless him, he didn't say a thing about my mental health, but I definitely didn't have that. And then the next week I ended up in, in hospital with what they thought was meningococcal. And it was that, like, it took me to get to that point to surrender and go, fuck, like, show me what you need to show me in order for me to start getting back out. And it was a real challenge internally for my kind of inner dialogue of, like, keep fighting, keep fighting, try to get back up, get back up and surrender and just see what the universe kind of puts in front of you and for me surrendering almost was like giving up you know waving the white flag but it actually wasn't until i did that that i completely hit bottom got clarity on my next move and started to build back up and it was actually really nicely in sync with an um, ayahuasca ceremony that the idea came around momentum <clears throat> and that's where that story happened where i reached out to a mate who's in sri lanka reached out to another mate in melbourne and you know kind of was like boys i've got this idea how do you feel about it and my mate in sri lanka you know was like cool sounds good and probably didn't think much of like me taking action on it but i think the big thing for me was like I just couldn't imagine building a business again on my own from rock bottom. I just didn't, I didn't feel at that time, different story now, could easily do it. But at that time, just like didn't have enough energy in me, which I'm sure anyone who's, you know, been in depression or been really flat, every small thing feels like a mountain to get yourself back up again. So I reached out to those boys and six weeks later, we hosted our first event in Sydney. And it was interesting, you know, as quick as I fell down in that 15-month period, I came back up. And from September 2019, when I was at my absolute flattest, to September 2020, when I was living literally my best life in Byron Bay, it was a, it was a really fast turnaround. And, you know, even in, even in that challenge, I think what really kept me alive, and I know that sounds pretty dark, but I did have the thought of like, maybe it'd just be easier if, if I ended it. The thing that kept me going was, was a couple of little things. I knew I had the tools. You know, I'd studied NLP. I'd studied um, a lot of stuff around human behaviour. And I also knew myself quite well. And I mean, that, that's an ever-evolving process, self-awareness and, and learning about self. But it was knowing my six kind of key needs or key, key, six key values that I was like, cool, I can't see the future. It looks so bleak. And when, when people have told me the future looks bleak, I was like, oh, that's just a metaphor. But when I was at rock bottom and I was entertaining the idea of the future, it was actually bleak. Like I just couldn't see it, which gave me like chronic anxiety. And, you know, at the tender age of 34, I think it was, I'd moved back in home with my mum and her and I don't have a great relationship, but I literally couldn't, I didn't know where else to go. And I started at my brother's cafe as a dish pig. And that was like the climb back out. <clears throat> and it was the values piece that really was like, okay, if I can do these six things today, I don't know when things are going to open up. And there's a little bit of like 
blind faith and hope that they will. But let's just win the day, get those things done and start tomorrow fresh. And that was the thing that just kept kind of propelling me forward. Then the role as a dish pig came. I started to get some you know, money from that. I started to get clear on where I wanted to go with my coaching. Um, and then obviously the, 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 you know, the momentum, pardon the pun, of our new business momentum started to build as well. And that you know, helped me kind of get out of that black hole. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And I think so many people will be able to take strength from your journey and the fact that from a masculine perspective, it's like you had everything taken, you know, it was like everything was like a blank canvas and you literally had to take two and start again. Mm. And that's really I think there's something about coaching that is so authentic that it's not, you know, a psychologist talking to you from theory. It's mm. a human to human saying, I've been through the darkness and I know that you can get through this too. Mm. And even though your path is different to mine, that that shared realization, like it's really quite, there's so many parallels in terms of my story and that the only thing I actually had was my story. Mm. And that was all I was left with 10 years ago. And it was like, well, shit, I, if this is all I have, I better leverage the crap out of it. Yeah. And I think yeah. you do have this real humble ego death where if you lose all of your labels of whatever they are and you become this just this human that's like, okay, well, why am I here and what do I have to offer this world? And your journey is so powerful, I think, especially for a lot of men at the moment who are in transition or questioning even reality and society and all of that, I think the best things that we can do is know our values and know ourselves and also know our subconscious terrain and what kind of beliefs have been creating our experience of reality that we're, we're having right now. So I, I love your story and thank you for sharing that. And I'm, you know, although it's tough that that's what you went through, how freaking cool is it on the other side? And it's so easy to say that with the beauty of hindsight, mm. but while you're going through it, obviously it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's painful. And so I suppose what I'd love to know from you is people who maybe are listening to this, a lot of our listeners are female and they have partners who are reluctant to do the work and and reluctant to go there. And it seems like sometimes people have to hit rock bottom before they go there. So what do you have to say to people listening about how to maybe support their partners to feel safe to do some of this work that won't be singing Kumbaya in the forest, that there are places that they can find that are different to that? What, what, what suggestions have you got? It's, it's interesting. It's probably the million dollar question and the question I get asked the most, especially because, you know, my audience from my side of things is probably still around 70% females. I think the big thing, you know, one really important piece is to lead by example. There's absolutely no doubt that the best thing you can do is to lead by example. And one of the other challenges, and Alison Armstrong does some really good work around this, is find a way to communicate in an empowering way as opposed to an emasculating, castrating, ball and chain way. And what that means is you're looking for those little, little openings, you know, little bits of, well, he's picked up a you know, podcast by Aubrey Marcus or Joe Rogan or he's picked up a book, whatever it may be, just that little opening and really reinforce how good that is you know, or how um, attracted you are to that as opposed to, you know, why don't you do this, why don't you do that, whatever it may be. Find that opening and make, you know, without being um, insincere, but make a big deal of the fact that, oh, I love it when you do that and 
with that empowering reinforcement will come more of that. So it's really important way. And, you know, I think one of the things that's really important um, with any female, and this is something I work with with a lot of females, is to understand that when you know how to empower your guy properly, everyone wins. You will win big time if you know how to empower him and how to find the right language to get him to go, you know, move forward. And the second bit to that is it's really important to find someone you resonate with. And it might mean that for some of these guys, you know, if they wanted to do men's work, they, maybe they can jump on a 15-minute you know, call with someone who they resonate with just to get a feel like you don't need to go from zero to 100 real quick. It might just be like suss out their Instagram page or, you know, have a chat, um, you know, with one of them and just see if it's a fit, you know, and, and that's the big thing. I totally resonate with a lot of the guys who look at the men's space and go, fuck, it's pretty cringy. Like, this is why we started this business for that exact reason, because, you know, the stigma that comes with it is a valid stigma, I think. So to be able to break that pattern by looking at, you know, someone's Instagram page, whatever it may be, and go, actually, I kind of resonate with these, these boys or this guy or that coach, whatever it may be, is a really important piece. But I think the number one piece that's really significant is the language that you use to empower them as opposed to the disempowering, emasculating, castrating, ball and chain language, which is super common. And one thing I will say around that is if you don't think you do it, I hate to break the news to you, more people, more females than they realise do it. And, you know, I would say probably 70% of females that have come to me like, oh, no, I don't do that. And then they might pick up a book. And if there's one book I can recommend, it's Alison Armstrong's The Queen's Code. And they read it and they're like, holy shit, I do emasculating. And that's the wake-up call for them as well. So, you know, it, it is unfortunate at this stage that blokes, I think, are more reactive and they do need to hit some form of rock bottom to um, transition. But I do, you know, coming back to what I've said a few times, I do think we're in a really interesting an exciting period for men, you know, if you look at kind of suicide numbers and mental health and also for their partners that they're starting to do the work. And, you know, if there's a second kind of thought that um, or concern that, you know, clients will come to me with, if, if the first one isn't how do I get my man to do the work, you know, the second one is I'm worried that I'm going to outgrow him and we're going to be on different pages in, you know, 12 months, three years, whatever it may be. And those are real concerns for a lot of um, women who are in this space doing the work. I 100% agree. I'd say 80 to 90% of our students are female and that is one of the most common concerns that they want to keep studying with us, they want to keep doing things and that they're concerned about, like, leaving their partner behind or their partner says oh, you're getting too good for me or you're getting too smart for me, but then they're still not willing to move forward. So, yeah, it's... it's How do you guys approach it? Like, for me, this we is... We offer a really generous partner discount. Yeah, <laughs> and awesome. we also do... We, we do some sort of, like, safer intro courses every now and then mm. that partners often get, like, dragged along to as well. But yeah. I believe we all have our own kind of healing journeys and mm. I don't think everyone has to do everything their partner does either. So yeah. I think... Also, um, it's really easy to 
look at someone and think that they're not being spiritual or not doing the work but you know some people's form of meditation is riding their motorbike some people you know and so you can what you filter for you find and i think if you're looking for all the ways someone's not evolved that's what you'll find but if you start noticing just like you said and and appreciating and acknowledging all the ways they are i obviously don't have that problem i i try to keep up with paul which is (laughs) nice which is a nice place to be but it obviously has its own challenges oh my gosh I, i joke sometimes that you know, it was really fun 10 years ago because I was like the more awakened one in the relationship and I could be on like my high horse and now I'm like, okay, just hold on a second. I'm, I'm keeping yeah. up and, um, oh. and gosh, that mirror is powerful, mm. with you know? So when you do have a, be careful what you wish for women, because sometimes when you do have oh, a just evolved man, you are just smack bang with your mirrors and your shadow mm. and all of your stuff. And it's fun. It's really yeah. fun. So. I really, I mean, I admire Paul and the work he's done over you know, the last 15 years. It's been amazing. And, mm-hmm. you know, even someone like David Data, who's one of the, the best when it comes to men's work, yeah. he's of the belief that men should lead women in that space of growth, which I, I you know, I find a really attractive trait in, in men who do that. And obviously, um, I don't think it's great for the power dynamic if the women are leading men into that. It's almost like this mummy-boy energy. Well, I was going to say that's that's the females all being in their masculine because they don't mm. feel safe, yeah. And so then that that depolarizes the men. Yeah, it's it is a little bit mother mother child dynamic as well. Yeah, and even we have a problem, I think, as a collective at the moment around that polarity. So for those that are potentially hearing this kind of language for the first time, polarity pole opposites, and there's a real need from a chemistry point of view in a relationship to have masculine and feminine polarities. And, you know, what we've seen, don't know, maybe over the last decade, two decades, is women becoming more masculine and and men potentially becoming more feminine. And, you know, while we're really big with momentum in integrating the feminine and making sure there's a healthy relationship with that, we really are big on kind of making that polarisation and the strengthening of the masculine start to stand out as well. So, you know, you you want to be mindful of... um, that from a chemistry point of view and, and what role are you stepping into, you know, and is it strengthening the polarisation or is it kind of weakening it? And there's a lot to be said even for time apart. You know, if you spend all day every day with your partner, then that polarisation kind of rubs off as well and you and you almost find yourself in this neutral place as opposed to, you know, that um, masculine feminine. So there's a bit to that, but that's, yeah, something to be mindful of for sure. Definitely, yeah, I think it's it's really fascinating for people to notice what what energies are at play and also when like even in our relationship I'll notice when I do soften and I surrender into that feminine all of a sudden Paul starts like making plans and doing things and like just and it's so beautiful to consciously observe it and then yeah in certain areas we kind of tag team and it's it's cool to kind of have that awareness and play the strengths but I think I think anyone listening to this, let the sort of seeds plant. And if your partner is open to it, it could be a podcast that you share. Mm -hmm. And any of the podcasts this month would be great to just share with your partner to give them some different ideas and different perspectives of what kind of coaches there are out there. And if anyone does resonate for them, I think I agree with you. Find someone that resonates and not everyone is going to be for everyone. Not everyone is going to be drawn to the same coaches. I think that's super important just to trust that. Uh, and some really great book recommendations. I'll put the links in the bio as well in the show notes so uh, that you guys can, can can get onto those as well. So 
I suppose my last question in wrapping up, and thank you, like this has been a really beautiful uh, introduction to your work and what you're doing. And I'm really glad that you are doing this and from your energetic standpoint and who you are. And I think, um, I think that's really important. So uh, one question that I did have is current world events. <laughs> I mean, I'm curious what, if we think of, say the masculine mm. and current world events what are you, what is your perspective on what you're seeing play out on a bigger scale it's a fascinating one our big thing you know as as a collective with the momentum boys and, and my thing um as an individual is for men to stand up for what they believe to be true and um, Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot. I think men have somewhat become domesticated cats over the last 10, 15, 20 years and don't stand for much anymore. And I'm, I'm personally concerned that it feels like women have got more spine over the last two years than men. And while that's a beautiful trait, I don't understand how the feminine can possibly trust in the masculine if they're not standing up and standing for something and there's more women standing up for their rights, for their voice, for their power, than there is men. And there's some really interesting theories on this. Candace Owens talks about it a lot. And there's a few women that I love who talk about it. They're of the belief that this has been intentional for a while, for a 20 to 30 year period of weakening the masculine to the point where he'd prefer to sit home and watch Netflix and play Nintendo than to get out there, stand for something and stand up at the front to protect his family, to protect, you know, the future generation than what's going on at the moment. So that's one of my major concerns. Um, and it can be what I've really found interesting, I'm sure you and Paul, you know, would find it interesting in your own ways as well, is when you're hooked into a narrative, how challenging it is to break people out of that. And whether you're anti-pro, you know, pro-choice, whatever it may be, there can be so much evidence um, that supports the opposite. But if you've been hooked into that narrative for 10, 15, 20 years, maybe you believe, you know, fully in the government, maybe you believe fully in mainstream media, maybe, you, you know, you put all your trust in Big Pharma, whatever it may be, three areas that I question a lot myself, then that can be challenging to um, draw them away. So if you look at that kind of on an NLP world or, or a, a mindset, if you've got a selective bias, then you're probably going to play out the same results, lifestyle that you've played out for the last 10 years. So really kind of opening yourself up to um, new ways of thinking, new ways of being, even new ways of feeling can change where you're going really quickly. And, you know, one of the challenges we've got um, in today's world is what's called a filter through your searches, through what you um, are interested in reading, the people you, you know, surround yourself with online, you start to create a very narrow filter of what you see. And the internet's doing that for you as well. So we're actually becoming smaller minded in terms of what we're seeing and being exposed to because of our Google searches, our you know, the pages that we like on Facebook, things like that. So the filter bubble is also not only narrowing your mind, but it's 
creating um, division and, you know, almost a selective opinion that isn't well constructed based on, you know, your last three years of search history as well. So there's a lot to play out and there's a really interesting um, period that we're going through. Um, and I just feel like the more you understand yourself and the more you can understand some of these um, theories or, you know, methods, whatever it may be, the more you open yourself to become an expansive to take more on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's, what, like I said earlier, like what we filter for, we find. And so mm. you are having a smaller and smaller filter, then we're just going to keep seeing things to confirm that to be true, even if it's useful. And then the easiest thing is the moment someone suggests something opposite to what you are filtering mm. for, the easiest thing is just to call them a conspiracy theorist or crazy or something like that. And so, yeah, if you zoom out enough, you can just see that there are so many different realities and perspectives mm. going on that it's actually impossible for us to know everything that's going on in the world. Yeah. There's too much information. And I think mm. that's the other thing is we have so much information. I think, what is it, in the space of a day, we get more information mm. than 200 years ago we used to get in five years in the yeah. newspaper, right? And so I think people are in information overload and so they get overwhelmed and they shut down and they just start focusing on what things they can control. Mm. But I think that filter bubble, and I mean, you're not in isolation at the moment. We are, and so it always gets me thinking, but that filter bubble, when people are isolated and on their own, and a lot of people live in single households on their mm. own, and they're not seeing anyone, that all they have then is their computer or their smartphone <laughs> device. I love how it's called a smartphone as well. Very interesting <laughs> choice. Like, Very interesting choice. Or, yeah. or smart. I'm, you know, it's really funny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just, I agree. I think the best thing we could be doing is, being conscious of our beliefs, being conscious of the way we're thinking and feeling, and is it just a repetition of you know the last ten years, or are mm. we are we thinking for ourselves? And that's what Paul and I are really passionate about is we don't we we love to empower people to start to make their own choices and think for themselves. Mm. Um, we do have a society where people want other people to tell them what to do, and it's um, yeah, it's it's really fascinating. So thank you. That's um some food for thought as well so yeah thank you so much i'm going to pop links to uh for people to be able to contact you if they want to reach out about momentum or your coaching work and i'll also put your links for your socials so if you're not already following blake he shares really great information and i would definitely recommend to check out his work so is there anything else you wanted to say to our listeners maybe any advice if they're feeling stuck or they want to quit their corporate and they want to have a big turnaround what advice would you have for our listeners and parting well, my big thing is, um, you know, one of the reasons I guess I love sharing that story is just to prove how quickly it can be turned around. And, you know, one of the things I guess that kept me afloat, literally, when I was at my struggles, obviously, you know, the values, the blind faith and hope, but also the amount of stories that I'd heard from, you know, many thought leaders that we love, you know, the Tony Robbins of the world, the Rocks, the Jim Carrey's, all those people who've got a really impressive story of, that was the thing of like, you know, anyone who's been, who's someone, so to speak, has been in a place similar. You know, like if you're really flat, all of those thought leaders that you, you know, you potentially admire have been in a you know, similar position at some stage. And, you know, while I wouldn't wish it upon anyone um, to be that flat, it also is the fuel that fires me every day. And for me now means, you know, I'd never struggle from a motivation point of view because it's, you know, the pain has provided me with real clarity in my passion and purpose and it's the fuel um, that, that I want. And I guess, you know, the other thing to that 
because if you're not necessarily resonating with that from a you know deep and dark place but you want to reinvent yourself is you know listening to people like you who understand the mind so well and you know even a really simple thing that i use with a lot of um, business people as well is that your business problems are actually most of the time personal problems wrapped up as business problems so when yep. you can really understand the significance of you know what lies between the the eight inches of your ears then you you know you open yourself up to endless possibilities and overcoming a lot of the stories and limitations that you put on yourself yeah yep awesome cool good well thank you so much for your time lovely to chat with you and hear about your story and the work that you're doing in the world thank you and keep standing up for what you believe in beautiful thanks juliet that's this week's episode from relaunch my life radio live from australia visit us at relaunchmyliferadio.com for more and remember it's never too late to relaunch your life